Father God, we are born of your spirit, born of love. It's the very DNA within us. It's your DNA, Father God. Lord, your love has brought all things that we would need, even unto all eternal life. You are the I am, the I am, all we would ever need you to be. We thank you for the Holy Ghost and his ministry to us this very moment in time. To bring forth revelation knowledge, understanding, wisdom, and an impartation of strength to our inner man today, that we be empowered and able to go forward in all the will of God and to fulfill the call of God on our lives. We thank you, Lord, this moment, and Tom shall contribute to your work being done in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Real quick review. A few things we're sharing. We're talking about the call of God. You're called first to Him in relationship. You're called, secondly, to sanctification, to be set apart under the purposes of God. You are called, thirdly, into a work for God. Whether it's something in the eyes of man viewed as big or small, that's irrelevant. You're called to do something for Him. But it all begins with the relationship. And in coming to Him in the relationship, we see what He did to set us free from sin. And to set us free from the powers of darkness and bring us into the kingdom of God. That we can partake of all that he has, all that he is. <laughs> yeah. So we see him. We were looking at, the, at uh, Paul where the word came to him. Where it's, you've been chosen to know, to see, and to hear. To see the just one, to see Christ. We looked at the scripture there in Peter that we humble ourselves according to that which we would see of him, or it reads, in the sight of God. But you can tend to think, it's like God looking at you. No, you humble yourself to, according to what you see of him. You can never go beyond that. And if he's going to do a greater work, that means there has to be, that we see more of him, which then in turn produces a greater consecration, which sets us up for a greater anointing to do it. That's how it works. <laughs> well, that's enough review. Let's go into Ezekiel 1.1. Hallelujah. Isaiah, when he was going to be lifted into a higher level of ministry, from where he was prophetically into a higher level, because there was a void and a vacuum needed to be filled, because King Uzziah had died. The anointed king tried to cross over into another ministry, and it caused his death. You stay where he puts you. You stay within what he puts you. It's a very serious matter. When, when uh, Isaiah saw the Lord as throne high and lifted up, he was humbled in the presence of what he saw, in the presence of God. He saw more of him, the very holiness of God, the very glory of God. And then he says, woe is me, I'm undone. And the angel brought the coal from the altar and put it upon his, his tongue, and he was cleansed. And I'm just going to say something as a... Uh, a conjecture here. Whenever I'm going to do that, I like to say that. I'm not saying this is. This may be what was. Had died. There was a leadership vacuum. And people can ease opinions, right? My wife and I were talking on over here. I think it's getting some never opinions. Outlet with the social media. The opinion. I'm not going to carry water. The truth that's revealed. Power. I'll tell people opinion. And I don't care about Bill Hake's opinion. My opinion's worthless. I just care about the truth of what he states and declares. Now, you can have an opinion whether you like 
Zuppa Toscana or cream of crab soup. That's okay. Whether you like red carpet, green carpet, blue carpet, that doesn't matter. It all doesn't really matter that much anyway. But when it comes to the Word of God, there's no place for it. And when it comes to discerning the things of the Spirit, there's no place for it. So if we do take a step in that direction, especially preachers, listen to me, it's wise for you just to say, this is just my thinking. There's a probability that due to a leadership vacuum, people were talking, and it even pulled Isaiah into it, because he said, whoa, it's me, I'm undone. We have to be careful that the things going on around us don't pull us into a place we don't want to be. And that means there may be times you have to be the guy who speaks up when everybody else is going along, just going along their way, and you're the guy who says, excuse me, but God's word says this. That's not how you win popularity contests, but that's how you hold fast to your faith and your convictions. Did you find Ezekiel 1-1 yet? <laughs> I'm just reviewing here a little bit. But Isaiah saw the Lord, and he heard his voice, and he responded to that. And God's grace, as he humbled himself to what he saw and heard of the Lord, as he humbled himself to that, God's grace lifted him up higher. And there's times people need to be lifted into a greater realm of ministry. Now, in, in Ezekiel 1, we were looking yesterday, and particularly getting into compassion. And it, it says here, one one. The heavens were opened, I saw visions of God. He was 30 years old, four months and five days. That's how old he was. It says down at verse 3, he was a priest. He was born for the priestly ministry. He was trained for the priestly ministry. But God had something else in mind. Sometimes you begin to set your life on a certain course, and God interrupts what you thought you were going to do because he has something else in mind. Ezekiel thought he's going to be a priest. He prepared for that, but God calls him into the prophetic. I'm saying that again for a reason here. Because Ezekiel was used to the Lord in, throughout the book where there was times there was rebuke needed to come relative to the, the uh, profanity in the temple and the sin in the temple. He had a passion for the temple of God. Then he goes on to bring forth towards the end of the book, the revelation of the glory of God that will flow out of the temple of God. Of course, now the temple of God's the people, the church. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost, both personally and corporately. And God desires his glory to flow out from the temple. And you see, he many times will, will reveal certain things to a person who, who is in a place to understand it and have the passion of it. The apostle Paul was the student of students of the prophets and the law. And he's the one the Lord used to reveal Christ in the Old Testament and bring it over into the new. Because he was the one that studied that. Ezekiel knew everything there was to know about the ministry of the priest in the temple. So the Lord used him to bring forth certain prophetic words relative to the glory flowing out from the temple of God. Just a side thought. I know sometimes for preachers, you sit in on something and there's that one side thought thing come by the Holy Ghost and you have six weeks of preaching off of it. How many preachers experienced that before? <laughs> 
What did, what did he say at the conference? I don't know, but the Holy Ghost gave me six messages out of it. I don't even know where it came from. It was that one statement. So maybe that's for, maybe that's for you, Bob. I don't know. <laughs> I saw visions of God. God's going to take him into that prophetic calling. And I've been emphasizing somewhat by revelation that we are lifted into the call of God for our life. Well, down here, uh, well, I kind of have to review a little bit. He saw these living creatures, and they all had four faces. And those four faces all speak or depict something of the character of God that will be necessary in the work. By each of these four living creatures were, four, were, were a wheel. And the wheel represents the work of God. And it says where the spirit was going to go, the creatures would go, and, and the wheel would lift up with the creature. And, and uh, down around verse 20 and 21, it says two, three times there, that where the spirit of the living creatures went, they were in the wheel, and the wheel went. Or in other words, the work we would do is only by the spirit of God, or the, the work that God's doing through us. His spirit needs to be flowing into that. It's not us just doing our job, doing our thing. But rather, we find the will of God, and the call is to the heart, and the grace is to the call. He begins to burst something on the inside of us. It becomes the desire. Brother Dale mentioned that, I believe it was yesterday. There's the birthing of the desire. What he calls you to do will give you the desire. It kind of dawned on me. I don't think I finished saying something I started to say one time this week. <laughs> I didn't like to drive three hours to the beach. But when God said, now is the time, the desire came where I can enjoy riding on a train for 30 hours after we flew for 18 hours. And sleep, you know, sleep on a piece of wood on the train. I can enjoy that. But see... He, he gives you the grace to fulfill the call. And he'll also birth, as you're delighting in him, he will birth desires in you where you actually want to do it. So don't be afraid of the call. Let's say, well, I wouldn't like that. If he's going to call you to do something and, and you're yielded to him, your, your pleasure's in him, he'll birth the desires. It's like, yeah, this is fun. What do you do for fun, Pastor Bill? I do the will of God. That's my fun. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, God moving in the work, it's a spirit in the work, and then with the faces of the four living creatures shows us part of the character of God that will be needed in the work. And guess what? You can tap into it. That's for you. I mean, he's given that to Ezekiel, but that's for all of us, what we're looking at here. I do want to mention another thing about the work at it speaks two different places in chapter 1 here, that, that the, the Spirit of God's always moving forward. In His work, He's always going forward. God doesn't do retreat. He keeps moving forward. Even something that maybe in our human mind, we think, well, that's a step back. It's still going forward. It might, in other words, the, the moving forward might, might mean at times you have to die to some flesh. And that's, a, that's positive. That's moving forward. Dying in the flesh is good. You have to learn to love it. I remember a certain season of my life, he was challenging me to the core with everything. To die of the flesh. 
And it's only by revelation. It's not something you try to do. But he begins to show you, and I would just get to where I was laughing. Oh, you want me to die of that now? <laughs> but he wants to sanctify us, sort of strip us down, so to speak, that we are in a place where he can really build us up and, and fill us with him. Chapter 1, verse 10. As for the likeness of the faces, the forehead face of a man, face of a lion on the right, face of an ox on the left, and the face of an eagle. And, and this spirit, what this is depicting here, is the character of God that's needed to carry out the work. And yesterday I was sharing about the face of a man is identification with humanity, whereby comes compassion. And if you don't have compassion, you, you can end up just getting tired of it. You can get the end of yourself quite easily, but compassion drives you on. And I share an illustration uh, a mother, now you ladies get some edges on us guys sometimes. I mean, there's some things you have a little edge. And this is one of them. You are able to carry a child. You have revelation beyond what I'll have. You know what it is to carry that life. Well, that's what an intercessor does. And, 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 and anyone really that has a, a mantle of a responsibility of ministry, you have to carry it in spirit. But you ladies got a little edge here. And you nurture that life, that new life. And that infant's born. And, and the way ours was, it was every two hours, you could watch a second hand go up. And you, and you know you're going to hear that cry. And you keep getting out of bed every two hours through the night. Of course, you've got to feed it, burp it, change it. So you get an hour of sleep at a time. How many ladies know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I learned this by observation, not by experience. You don't have to experience everything. I can observe it. I was with my wife, the birth of our sons. It's great for me. <laughs> Guys, I'll give you a little tip. After that baby's born, don't say, Oh, that was great. Let's do that again. Because she's going to feel like punching you in the face. Especially when the oxygen's getting cut off to the brain, you know, in transition. Yeah, I've heard horror stories there. So you don't want to be leaning too, too far over, you know, the, the bed there. You might get punched. I don't know if any, my wife didn't do that to me, but I've heard the stories, you know. And if any of you, you know, you're not going to enter into your first time childbirth, you've got to watch out for the war stories. Because ladies have their war stories with birth. I mean, now everybody gets shots and they're doped up and paint out of it and all that. And I probably shouldn't say that. But back in the old days, you know, it was more of a move there towards the natural. We're going to do this all, all uh, supernatural, natural. That Jackie Mize had that book, Supernatural Childbirth. Some of you might be aware of that. We want the full experience. No, that's going on dope in here in the birthing room. And, and there's quite a labor to that. And again, you ladies can have a little deeper revelation because the same thing is involved in spirit when it comes to birthing ministry. Dale mentioned that, I think, yesterday as well when you were sharing about 20 years of prayer. It looks like this, some instant big thing happened. 
and it was 20 years of birth pains back here that nobody sees. What did you find verse 10? Yeah, we were reading verse 10. What I want to get into, some new turf here, is the face of a lion. The face of a lion. And with lions, a key attribute there is boldness. A lion's called the king of the jungle. They say that a lion can roar and you hear it five miles away. And everything in the animal kingdom, and probably man as well, unless he has a high-powered rifle, sort of shakes at the voice of the lion. Because the lion's so powerful, it could just eat you for dinner in a snap. we got the spirit of a lion. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when none pursueth, but the righteous are bold as lions. Bold as lions. And the word bold is, is associated with the lion. The lion's not afraid. He's not looking around before he roars. He wakes up and roars. I'm hungry. I remember, I, I, yeah, I don't know if they still have this, but Back in the old days, one of the movie manufacturing companies had that lion roar at the start. I always liked that. Roar! <laughs> I don't know where that came from or, or why they did it. That's pretty cool. Words, we're, we're roaring forward with this movie, this grand movie. Well, this lion thing, that's part of the character of God for us and in us. Now, I had... I have a friend, and he was an old hippie, California hippie. He OD'd on LSD. His mind was fried. He woke up in a prison thinking he went to hell. And he ended up in, I'm making a long story short here, he ended up in a a teen challenge, and he, he never even looked up. He knew everybody by their shoes. Oh, hi, Fred. He, I mean, he was, his mind was gone. It's gone. And somebody came in, prayed for him, and his mind was healed. Completely restored from the damages of LSD. Because that'll do brain damage on you. And he completely healed. So, you know, he begins ministering, and, and he was a psalmist, anointed psalmist. Real funny character. And his wife was from Mexico, so he'd speak Spanish fluently and sing in Spanish. Preach in Spanish, he's bilingual completely. So he goes, he's in Mexico City, and he's ministering there. And the clothing he had, no pockets, they took an offering and put it in a clear bread bag. Remember those old bread bags, and they were clear? It was a plastic bag that's clear, and he, so he's carrying a bag of money and his guitar, and he boards a bus to go through Mexico City. And the bus driver says, uh, well, mister, we're going through a very bad part of the city. Are you sure you want to go? Because they will stop the bus, or when we stop, they'll board it and they'll rob everybody. So he, well, no, I need to go. I need to be over here. So they're going through the city. Sure enough, they come into that section the bus stops, let people off, and a gang gets on. The bus 
begins to drive. They're going. And he's sitting maybe two-thirds of the way back, and they're robbing people. And he's sitting there, and he says, Lord, if the greater one lives in me, why am I being tempted to be intimidated? Not of me, says Bill Hay. All right. Somebody got excited back there. Or else they fell. Maybe somebody fell asleep. I don't know. He just fell on. He hit a slider or something. That's okay, guys. I'm not mean to draw any attention to it, but everyone couldn't help but notice. You know, a sound, a sound ministry job is one that if you make a mistake, everybody knows. You know, you, and a lot of other things, nobody knows you, you did a mistake. Even if you're leaving worship, if you get off, if you don't draw attention to it, Brother John, half people won't even notice. Unless you stop and say, what's wrong here? But when a sound guy makes a mistake, everybody knows and turns around and says, do you, hey, do you know what's going on? It's like, yeah, I mean, unless you were asleep, you know. Okay. So that's okay, guys. We all need to be able to laugh at ourselves once in a while. Sometimes preachers take themselves too serious. It's not a good thing. Well, back to the story. The gang's on the bus. They're robbing people. And he says, Father, if the greater one lives in me, why am I tempting, tempted to be intimidated? Now listen real close. The Lord says to him, because the lesser one's expressing himself and you're not. Why would one feel intimidated? The lesser one is expressing himself and you're not. So what Ron does, he stands up. He's a real tall guy. He stands up, raises his hands, probably touches the top of the bus, and begins to sing in tongues. And a few moments, while the bus is going down the city, and I'm, I'm imagining probably 40 miles an hour or something, one by one, the gang... Bust open the emergency door on the side and are jumping out of the moving bus. Because they had demons and those demons could not stand the presence of God. So its deliverance was wrought. But the thing to learn from it, and I like to repeat this story because it's stuck with me all these years. It means a lot to me. Make sure you're expressing yourself in the face of the devil doing whatever, saying whatever, that you express Whatever of God speaks to that. And it could be in a song. So then he, he says, after you know, the gang all jumps off the bus, Lord, give me the interpretation of that song I sang in tongues. So then the interpretation came, and it's a whole song, and I have time and we can make it work. I'll play, I'm going to play it for you to seal the thought of this message. You know, you might sing a song in tongues and the interpretation can come and you continue to benefit from it. The spirit of the lion or that part of the spirit of God, that lion, that courage, that boldness, we need that in the work. Now, remember when he called Ezekiel, he said, I'm sending you to a people who don't want to hear what you've got to say. They are stubborn, hard-hearted, full of hate. So you're going to need that kind of spirit the courage to roar in the face of it, where well, you won't let any devil back you down with their threats and intimidation. 
That being said, we go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And here we have the account following the miracle of the lame man healed and thousands get saved. Then all the religious devils get stirred up. And the rulers of the, uh, of the synagogue, they, they confer with one another, what are we going to do with this? These people are following at Jesus. We thought we were rid of him. They're preaching resurrection in the name of that Jesus that we crucified. In fact, they're even saying that Jesus, you crucified. Imagine being sent. It's one thing knowing the guys were just sent out. But Jesus sent them right back in the face of the people that crucified him. They needed the Holy Ghost for sure. So it says in verse 21, when they further threatened them, they let them go. Or they were trying to bring intimidation. Don't do this anymore. Don't speak in that name. So the apostles self-quarantined. Being let go, what did they do? They went to their own company. Why? Because they knew as they came together in unity and in faith that there would be a release of the power of God and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And without that, they couldn't do anything. So they, they gather with the, the brethren. And they told them what happened. Verse 24, when they heard it, they lifted up their voice to God. With one accord. Well, you know, it was a Pentecostal church. Pentecost happened. They all prayed out together. Once when I was young in ministry, my grandmother asked me why I wasn't a Methodist preacher. So I would say, well, you know, I believe this and I believe that. And she said, yeah, I remember. They used to lay their hands on people and they get stiff as a board and fall on the floor. I remember they'd all lift their voice and praise together. That old brethren church was full of the Holy Ghost at one time. There wasn't any more in my lifetime. So you move on. <laughs> well, they all lifted up her voice in unity. Lord, you are God that made heaven and earth, sea and all that in the midst, who by the mouth of thy servant David said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? He's quoting from Psalm 2. We'll go there in a minute. This verse speaks to us right now. More than any other time in my lifetime. Because the heathen are raging and the people imagining a vain thing against everything of God because it's being moved by the spirit of Antichrist who exalts himself, according to 2 Thessalonians 2, and opposes everything that's of God. So you have this craziness. I mean, you have to be under the influence of the demons to say, let's get rid of the police. I mean, a, a young person with a half a brain would say, good, we have the police there, protect us. That's how demonic, the influence is so demonic. And there's preachers out there saying, it's okay, it's all good. No, it's not good, it's evil, it's demonic, it's from the spirit of Antichrist. It's a work being done within a bigger work. That bigger work is to dominate the whole world, which we know in the end will be. 
But we're not there yet. There's a work to be done. The kings of the earth stood up. The rulers were gathered against the Lord and his Christ. Well, they began to pray and ask God. He said, behold their threatenings. It's okay to state the problem, but then make sure you state God's solution. Sometimes people, they get confused about faith. They think you just pretend there's no problem. State the problem, but then state what God says about it and and speak faith to it and release the power of God. So they're, behold the threatenings. Give us your servants boldness to speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal. Signs and wonders be done. The place was, was shaken They were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke the word with boldness. That boldness is that spirit of the lion, the roar of the lion. As the lion roars and all the animal kingdom comes to attention, as we roar with boldness the word of God to the situation, the spirit realm comes to attention. Let's go back to Psalm 2, where they were quoting from. Because there's some other things in there. I believe they knew it. They were praying this relative to the the whole thing. Why did the heathen rage? The people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers to take counsel against the Lord and his anointed. That's you. Let us saying, this is what the enemy's saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. That means to break the unity. The cord uh, speaks in Ecclesiastes of a threefold cord or rope. You know, it's, it's woven together. It's not easily broken. In fact, it's very, very strong. Now, we use more like steel cable. But back in the old days, you use rope. And it would be very strong, like to lift beams and so forth. And the enemy wants to break the power of unity and people coming together praying, wherein the power of God is multiplied, there is such a value to the corporate, the corporate anointing of worship. My expectation is the presence of God in that. And if God moves and does miracles in the corporate anointing of worship, who gets the glory? It's only Jesus. There wasn't the man that's the minister. It's just Jesus was present. To me, that's the ultimate. In that corporate anointing, when God's being glorified and his name lifted up and him just move. Well, anyway, the devil wants to break that. He wants to break the unity. if If he can get strife or murmuring, complaining, it's great for him. If he can get us just not to come to church, that's a win for him. There might still be people praying, but it's to a lesser degree and a lesser power. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. <laughs> the Lord will have them in derision. Because all that the enemy would do, it's like a joke before God, because God knows his power is going to squash it. The devil, he, the devil must be the most frustrated being in the universe. Because he'll work and work and work and work to try to destroy. And God can just bring uh, his grace, his power into it. Just boom, it's all undone. He worked and worked and worked to destroy your life. Many of you would have testimonies how he almost killed you. But God, but God, but God, he raised you up. He undid all of those works of sin and demonic influences and raised you up. 
he will speak to them in his wrath and vex them in a sore displeasure. He has us speaking to the works of the enemy to bring them to destruction, to exercise authority. And I want you to understand, you can do that. As I was waiting on the Lord this morning, he brought something to my memory. This was back in the mid-80s. There was a, a, a ministry, somewhere in central PA, it's like street ministry. And there were a few people in my church. He, he went with them to uh, New Orleans Mardi Gras. And, and they're going to do street evangelism. Everybody's there going drunk, drugs, sex, whatever all they do, do down there. I never went there. I've heard enough to know I don't want to be there. But anyway, they go down there, and they're you know, ministering on the streets and, and you know, praying, and then just preach street evangelism. But there was a photo passed around. I think it was like 100 people, possibly. A photo passed around of Anton LaVey. Anton LaVey wrote the Satanic Bible. He was the top dog in the Satanic Church. He was based out in San Francisco. Very, 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 very evil. And they passed these photos around to the different team members out doing street evangelism. And there was a little lady saw him in the crowd. And she stands up tall and says, Anton LaVey! And in his pride, he looks, oh, an admirer. And she says, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And starts to run after him. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And he runs away. He's the top dog in the satanic church. And here's this just regular believer. Little lady. Full of Holy Ghost. Knowing her authority in the name of Jesus. Chasing him down the street. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. What just so happened, one of his daughters was there. And in a satanic church, in that kind of worship, there will be women, their job is to be impregnated and have babies for sacrifice. Imagine that. That's how demonic and evil. You know why when God had the children of Israel go into Canaan land and God said, kill them all? He gave them a chance to repent. God's just. But they offered up babies for sacrifice. It's said in Psalm 106. The Canaanites, they offered up babies for sacrifice. But in a satanic church, and this woman shared her testimony then, or testified to this, she said, she came to the group, she saw her father run. And she said, my father never backed down from anyone. I never in my life saw him back off. And he ran from this little lady here who rebuked him in the name of Jesus. Your God's real. Mine's not. They had to cast devils out of her for her to get, before she'd get saved. She accepted the Lord. And they had to like haul her off secretly someplace because when you're that deep in that stuff, the only way out's dead, except for Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, anyway, her job was to have babies to be offered up in her sacrifice. You know, they'll eat the heart and drink the blood and the whole bit. I don't mean to gross you out, just reality. That stuff goes on. It goes on around us. Well, you can rise up with the spirit of the lion. The lion's roar. It's not, it doesn't say, you know, it's not that the apostle did it, the evangelist did it, the prophet did it. 
It was a believer rebuke, Satan's top dog. So you can do that. We read on here, it says, the way it reads, Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. At verse 6, yet have I, it's not there. The word set means to pour out. It's not a good translation in the Hebrew. To pour out. So he's saying, pour out, my king, upon my holy hill of Zion. I will's not there. Pour out, my king. Declare the decree. That's how it should read. Pour out, my king. Now, this is following. The Lord will laugh and have them in derision. He is going to, to vex the evil. Pour out, my king. Declare the decree. That kind of syncs up with give your servants boldness to preach your word. Pretty well in sync with that thought, isn't it? I'll declare the decree. The Lord said to me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. That's speaking of the resurrection, not the birth of Christ. And for us, as we look at these kind of situations where the heathen are raging and people imagining a vain thing because devils are working to move them in that way, it's for us to cry out, Pour out your spirit, Lord! Pour out your spirit and to declare the decree. We are raised up with Jesus Christ. We are begotten of him. We are a son and daughter of God raised up with him. And to declare it. And the season we're in with this spirit of fear sweeping over so many people. The people of God need to rise up with the heart of the lion. And to decree we are raised up with Christ. This spirit of fear has no place in my life. No place in my household. No place in my church. That's the word for now. Rise up strong. And there are, t- there are things we need to decree where we hold our ground. I was praying about this last week or so ago, about this thing with the city's getting set on fire and everything else. And it's not the fire of God. It's the fire of the devil. So, Lord, what is there something I should do? What, what do we do with this? And what he ministered to me was the pastors in those cities, they need to rise up. They need to decree. They need to stand their ground and declare the word of God and bring a change in the atmosphere of the Spirit. It's on them to do it. As an outsider, I can't go there and just do that. I'm waiting on the Lord. Immediately in my mind flashes a Nigerian pastor friend in Baltimore. I call him on the phone. Oh, Brother Hezzy, how you doing? Brother Bill, it's good to hear your voice. The Lord just saying to encourage him. Stand, you stand, you stand. The devil wants to intimidate, but he gains power when we who have the greater one stay quiet and don't express ourselves. Intimidation cannot stay if we will rise up boldly with the spirit of the lion and declare what God has. Declare his word. Ask of me, I'll give you the inheritance, the heathen for your inheritance. 
Verse 9, you'll break them with a rod of iron, shall dash them in pieces like a, a potter's vessel. In the 90s, I used to go to Nigeria a lot. Then there was a time there I wasn't. I was going some other places. And I went back about seven years ago and then back again two years ago. But these last couple trips, I remember my plans made and an email comes in. And it said, I'll be hiring two federal police officers to accompany you everywhere. That's all it said. I showed Donna. She said, why do you say that? <laughs> it's like, that's coming on. Email to get. Well, we get there and there's, they didn't have local police. Dictators don't. They have federalized and they can control it. But two police officers hired K-47s with me everywhere I went. In fact, if I was in this building and it was there, they'd be standing at the door with those guns. If I go in a pastor's office, they'd be standing outside the door with those guns drawn. That's weird. I'm not, I'm not used to that, you know. But when we got to the airport to go to home home, and the boys are with me, everybody clears out of my way. I thought, I like this. <laughs> I mean, they took me right to the head of the line. <laughs> but I thought... Sometimes it's not good to think too much. I thought it was because of Islamic terrorism. I mean, you know, you hear about the Boko Haram, and it's terrible they're doing. That's what I thought the first time. The second time I find out it wasn't Boko Haram. It was mafia. And those cities are mafia-run, much like the old Soviet mafia-run. That's what the whoever you want to call them wants to do here, where... The security and everything is so broken down, everything's mafia-run, and then they extort money from the people and say, Mr. Businessman, let me see your books. Oh, you're doing pretty good. Give us 30%, or we'll take it all. You can work and, and give us 30 or we'll kill you and take it all. That's your options. That's how it is in places like that. In a lot of the world, that is how it operates. And if it's not stopped, this will become like that here as well. So what Brother Ema, Apostle Ema, shared with me was they would kidnap the mafia, the local mafia guys would kidnap people like his pastors, want to have money, ransom, extortion, and that's how they would fund their political campaigns or whatever. So here I am. I'm, not, I'm obviously not one of the locals. And, you know, it would draw attention. So... He had like a police protection thing there. The thing that would enter my mind is, I wonder if these guys be willing to get in a firefight for me. Because it doesn't do any good if they're not willing to fight for you. So that thought crossed my mind. How committed are they to their job? In any case, we're trusting in the Lord. So Ema tells me this, and here's the point I want to make. Ema has the spirit of the lion. I mean, when he preaches, it's like a lion's roaring. But he says, what we're doing, he targeted the neighborhood the mafia leaders live in and their community, and they set up shop doing evangelism right outside of where they, their homes, which that in itself could get you killed if you agitate the wrong person enough. That's the boldness in the Holy Ghost. In his mind, well, we'll stay. It wasn't a, a choice. We'll stay away from him. In his mind, we're going to go in there and get him saved, and that's how change is coming. Yeah. And he 
boldly, like right in on in the face of all of them. They take food in their feet and their people, preaching the gospel. And now his mafia guys just let them alone. They respect that. Sometimes, you know, with, with people that are evil, a lot of times they have respect factors. People in prison have certain respect factors there. And even though they don't like you particularly, they might respect you and say, leave him alone. That's a man of God. Just leave him alone. Because you earn their respect. It's interesting how that works. But that spirit of the lion says, I'm going to go straight into their camp. And the gospel is the power of God to save. And the, the way we're going to break their power in causing us any trouble is to get them saved. Man, that's my brother. How would I ever expect anything different? I mean, to know the man. It's that spirit of the lion. God wants us to operate in that spirit. We're not going to cower back just because the devil's making a lot of noise. The weapons of our warfare are greater than his. Angels can stop bullets if they have to. So, in this ask for the heathen, there's a context. And the context is the people being influenced by demons and rising up and, 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 and wanting to cause trouble. And, and the prayer here is that pour out, O king, and to declare the decrees of resurrection power and to ask him for those souls of those people. That's really slapping the devil around. You're going to take his people from him. <laughs> The spirit of the lion. The little lady, not the apostle or evangelist, chasing the head dog of the satanic church. So you can too. I have another little illustrative story here. There was a certain point. God said, I want you to be willing to walk away from everything, sell everything. So we rented this little house, 800 square feet. That's not much for Husband, wife, two boys, and only one bathroom. So we understand challenges of that. And we had got our first German shepherd before we moved there. And it was January, this one year, and this cat shows up. And my wife has a big heart for animals. We can't make that cat sit outside in the cold, because it was a cold January that year. So we take the cat in. Little did we know, this cat was pregnant. So she's there, and we have the German shepherd, and the cat's really afraid of the shepherd. She tiptoes around. The the cat has the kittens. And one day, she has the kittens on her bed. And I open the bedroom door, and the dog, being a big duffer, bounds in, jumps up on the bed. And within a second, I heard the lion roar. (laughs) And I looked, and this cat had all four paws with claws dug into the dog's head. I mean, it was wrapped all around this dog's head. And we literally had to peel that cat off, paw by paw, peel it off that dog's head. There was a lion in that cat. Before she had the kittens... There was nothing to trigger it. She was scared of the dog. But when she had the kittens, something in her was triggered. Now, you mamas, you all know what I'm talking about. 
You've probably been tempted a time or two to want to take somebody's head off because you think they're a threat to your kid. <laughs> oh, the guys can feel that too. Anyway, when that dog jumped up between her and those kittens, a lion came out. And I literally had to peel, pry those claws out of that dog's head. So after that, the dog tiptoe around <laughs> looking for where that cat is. I mean, literally tiptoeing around the house. Where's that cat? Then the, the kittens are given away and it reverted back. Then the cat's afraid of the dog. Now, in telling you that, there's a lion in you. The Spirit of God in you, part of the characteristic is the lion. But sometimes we're just not triggered to exercise the authority of that lion in us. And in this case, it was the cat's love for its kittens. As we have love for people suffering and dying, that ought to be pushing our buttons. But we rise up. The spirit of the lions within you. Now, John or whosoever is there, can you put that picture up here first? When you look in the mirror, what do you see? That little kitty cat sees a lion. You leave that up there and play that song. I told you the story about Brother Ron on the bus, Mexico City, singing in tongues. Lord gave me the interpretation. I want to play this song to seal the revelation of, of, of this hour to your heart. That it can ring in ears because mu music will help something just like stick. And if you go home and say, why did Pastor Bill play? I can't get it out of my head. Praise the Lord if that's the experience. <laughs> so can we roll it? Leave the cat up there. To tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt me. If God be for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that is in me. God be for me, who can be against me? He that is in me than he that is in the world. There's a lion in you. <laughs> so get up and roar in the face of the devil. Amen.